Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Good morning, 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 good people. It is Wednesday, May the 24th. The Lakers are officially eliminated from the playoffs, and I could not be more excited. People in the chat were saying Lakers in seven. No chance. No chance, people. Come on. No way. But the Celtics, though, not done yet. Not done yet. Got it done last night. And some stuff's going on in the NFL world. I don't know what. I'm not even paying attention. Rookie mini camps are going on. The people are going crazy in the chat. Dynasty Barry, I'm here. And I'm not alone. <laughs> Lakers in four. Thank you, Lindsey Mack. I love it. I love it. Uh, Ray was here. He will not be here today. He's in Hawaii, probably sleeping. We give a lot of shit to the people on the West Coast. He's even further than that. We'll see if he shows up. But yeah, Roro, I am going to open the show like that. That's how we do it here. Ray always talking about the Lakers. Thank God that saga is over. Thank God. I'm sick of it. But we have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking all things wide receivers today. I am very, very excited. I brought one of my best friends in the industry, and I don't say that lightly, but of course, we do have to get to the money because underdog fantasy is still the place to play. And just so you guys remember, BBM4 is live. The puppy two, or no, the poodle two is live. So make sure you go to underdog fantasy, deposit $100. You will get 100% matched if you use promo code Devi, promo code wake up, whatever promo code you want to use that we have, make sure you go to underdog fantasy and use that. And if you do use that code, you will also be given a one-year subscription throughout the 2023 season to Destination Devi. So make sure you get that because it is a great offer and you can draft and you can win a ton of money. We have lots of tools. We have lots of things going on. Roro, I'm sorry I had to open the show like that. How are the people doing? Ty saying go off, Jay Rich. Jimbo saying how about them Yanks? Shout out the Yanks. They got a big dub yesterday. I didn't think they were going to get that win. Cole played like shit, but we're back. But I do want to get to our special guest because, as I mentioned, one of my favorite people in the industry, head of DFS for the 3013, made over a million dollars in DFS. He can verify that. He wrote a great article about week 17. He is the wide receiver savant. We did a pre-show test yesterday for audio. That was 45 minutes. This man can talk. I know y'all say I can talk. He can talk a lot. He does a show with Greg Jennings. I mean, what else do you want me to say? This guy knows his stuff. Let's welcome Jordan Vanek to the program. JV, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. The million dollars is a little, little too much there, but <laughs> overall, I've had I've had some successful tournaments in my day. I appreciate you having me on the show. I know that uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other. That uh, yeah, that Senior Bowl was the last one, and I'm sure that you know you're going to give me my my stuff because I was not. Talking highly of Jonathan Mingo, and you were not on my Car Carolina Panthers, which is uh, you were not. No, you're one of the few detractors. Me. You're one of the few detractors. Well, one of the many detractors, but the people that I talked to, the people that I talked to at the Senior Bowl, you and Ray, ah, Mingo, I don't know, 
I'm not so sure. He looks okay. And now 39th overall to your Panthers, paired with Bryce Young. Do you want to quickly touch on Bryce Young and the Panthers before we get into the show? Because I don't know if you're excited about Bryce Young. Those videos, man, I know he's short. You're a Bama fan. You, you've seen Bryce Young for a long time. Look, I don't like to double count, but man, he looks short behind that offensive line. And again, I don't want to be that guy, but let's just be honest, kind of sucks. But how do you feel about your Panthers heading into the season? So getting started with Bryce Young and his height, he doesn't throw little. He throws above the offensive line. If you actually watch his throwing motion, it's top like he throws over because he's used to it. He's used to playing with bigger body players because he's been a five star recruit since he was probably a sophomore or junior in high school. He went to Alabama. Our offense line there wasn't exactly small. So not yep. concerned with him from uh, playing the quarterback position. Is the size a concern? Of course. But he's just like the way that he's been talked about is he's supposed to be the Steph Curry of the quarterback position. That is what I'm hoping he is. And the only way to get past that, you know, small or, you know, being hurt or all that type of stuff is by taking some hits and getting up, you know, yep. at the end of the day. I think from the quarterback position, everybody talked about how he is the best at it from a skill set of him throwing the ball, making every level throw on the field and reading defenses and kind of having that cognizant or cognizant ability to understand what's going on in front of him. So not too concerned. As for the Panthers, I think this is a year that I'm excited to see his coaching staff. They built a lot of different people there and hopefully we can have a successful season because the division is extremely weak. Yeah, yeah, they definitely have a shot in the division. You are wearing a Panthers hat, but I had to touch on Mingo because even pre-show, I didn't even think about it. It's not on the show sheet, but I do want to talk about you a little bit. You are the head of DFS for the 33rd team. Josh Larkey is your boss. Love Josh Larkey, so shout out to him. But I do want to talk about what separates you because you and I got connected because you wanted to learn about video. And we didn't talk about video. We talked about DFS for three hours. I think even probably longer than that. But I do want to talk about what separates you from other fantasy analysts. You know, I didn't even make the joke that I tried to call Matt Harmon. He didn't return my calls. And that's why you're here. But, you know, you've done some stuff that I've never seen. You talk about coverage. You showed me sheets of information I've never heard anybody talk about yesterday. And now I have a stat to talk about whenever I go on someone's show to impress them. But what separates you both in DFS and even in the fantasy analysis? Because we will get into your Week 17 article that you wrote that it is phenomenal and it is very in-depth and it is difficult, like you mentioned yesterday, to kind of dumb down. But how would you say you are different from other fantasy analysts in the space? So a lot of, you know, my background, I was at UCF. I was a player personnel intern there. I was cutting up film. I was understanding the game at a deeper level. I attended Dan Hartman's uh, Scouting Academy. So I got to learn the game, you know, further than most people kind of look at it. Like I do build data sheets. I do understand the analytics side of things. But when you put context in, you have to understand how, you know, a coach game plans, how coaches will generate different things. And What I try to do with my DFS analysis is understand what's coming this week and how are they going to counter it or how are these types of teams going to play each other? I remember in week three or four of last season, Rashad Bateman gets hurt and the Baltimore Ravens go and play the New York Giants. Lamar Jackson had Rashad Bateman as his go-to. Wink Martindale blitzed. Uh, Lamar Jackson at like a 65% rate or something absolutely crazy. 
Lamar Jackson's yards per attempt in that game against the Blitz was awful. So any team that was high blitz rate, I would fade Lamar. Or if I, you know, see a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, for example, when he gets cover one, he's a killer. He just naturally with Devontae Adams and what he can do, them paired together. Every time Rodgers saw it, his touchdown rate goes to like 8%, which is extremely high. So I remember in 2021, for the first like 10 weeks of the season, he wasn't getting single high. Cover one yep. is, you know, one safety deep or, you know, looks like cover three could be played different ways. But that ending stretch, he got two weeks against the Vikings, one week against the Ravens. And I forgot the other team that he played. And for four straight weeks, I was touting Aaron Rodgers because he finally got the coverage that he needed. And then all of a sudden he's throwing three to four touchdowns a week. So, like, I think from a DFS perspective, it is that style of blend like i try to predict real football mixed with fantasy because at the end of the day there there's a reason for things that happen like sometimes obviously you know boom weeks happen players get hurt it's different stories but overall you got to find ways to get different than the field like for example just uh you know sneak into that week 17 article everybody's hyped about that chiefs Bengals game Oh, that has okay. been a shootout for okay. quite some time. Like it's a game that ends up being super close into the fourth quarter, like 23-20. Like the Chiefs don't give Joe Burrow single high. They say, hey, we're putting two safeties back. You better run the ball. And now all of a sudden the Bengals, like, we don't know what they're doing with Joe Mixon. Is mm-hmm. Chase Brown a guy that can really get it done? I'm not so sure. I didn't see a lot of things I love from the senior bowl and just he performed yeah. in college, but the NFL is different. Samaje Pirine was actually good when he was there. So, like, yep. I'm not thrilled about that game. And then the price that comes into it with Jamar Chase, Higgins, Kelsey, Mahomes, like, it's really hard to stack in best ball, and it's not something that I'm really thrilled about overall. Yeah, and you showed me some of the data yesterday about Chase, right? You pulled all the data from 2018, talking about single high versus two high, and you just... Laid it out for me. Chase's yards per route run is like upwards of three against single high, but against two high, it's like 1.76. And that's pretty average. It's not really that great. And you talked about, you know, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon being involved when you're in too high. It doesn't open up things for Jamar Chase the way that he needs it to, but in single high, it does. And you were talking about how the greatest wide receivers are great against single high and too high. And, you know, we always reference Devontae Adams, but when you showed me all that data, it really solidified what truly separates Devontae Adams from every other receiver in the league. He's just so talented. But I do want to talk about your Week 17 article and kind of some of the nuances of that because, it was in depth, and I want you to do your best to kind of break it down because you look at you look at this from a very different angle. A lot of people don't look at coverage. They don't even know what single high, two high is, what that even means, and you talked about it already. You're not so in on this Chiefs and Bengals stack, so how are you going to approach Week 17 in these tournaments? Because, you know, 33rd team is partnered with Underdog. We do a ton of Underdog stuff. Everyone's talking about Week 17. You got to stack Week 17. You got to have that correlation. You got to try and shoot for the moon in the finals. Now, you've talked about you have to get there, and that's important too. But what are you doing with Week 17, and how are you approaching it through the playoffs? Because I know you've done a lot of research into this so far. Yeah. So, for starters, there's a few games that like I am in love with, starting with the Minnesota Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers. One, it's in a dome. That's, you know, dome games always breed Huge. the most points. But... Minnesota added Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator. And one thing he likes to do is put his corners and cover zero, cover one type of looks, which breeds big plays down the field. So 
Christian Watson's a player that I'm in love with. You know, Jaden Reed's not expensive. Like the Packers receivers, yes, they're not playing with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Jordan Love still has to prove it. But at the end of the day, I trust the fact that they're going to be able to get the ball to these guys. And the Vikings don't have great corners. (laughs) I'm not terrified of the Vikings in any way, shape or form. They've got some good safeties with Lewis Seen and Harrison Smith, but are they ready to kind of play this style of defense and get after it? I'm not so sure. So I think that game in particular is an easy one to get to because you can get guys like Christian Watson in the fourth. You can get Jordan Addison in the sixth to counter on the Green Bay side, who Green Bay will probably throw Jair on Justin Jefferson like they did late in last season. But When they do that, then you're looking at TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, who are Mm -hmm. going to have big games because, one, it's in a dome. It's not in Lambeau in December, January, like it was last year. It's a completely different environment. And then you want to talk about getting there. Mm -hmm. I believe four of the last five games for the Minnesota Vikings are in a dome. This offense is going to gel. They play like the Raiders, and then they have three home games. I think one of them is against the Lions. Like, They're going to be playing weak secondaries, but then on top of it, they're going to be playing in great spots for them to have shootouts. So that's a game that I really like from a single high to high. It doesn't really matter what these teams play. Justin Jefferson had a 30% target share against both. And then Jordan Addison, as much as he is a rookie, Adam Thielen had a high target share. He had the second most routes run last year. I don't know why they had him run so many routes. But he was out there plenty. So Jordan Addison is going to step into that role, which is fine by me. And then his route tree was 35% basically running a post corner or a vertical route. So it's like, that's what I want Jordan Addison to run. And I know that we talked yesterday. You said that Jordan Addison is going to be the Calvin Ridley to Justin Jefferson's Julio. And I completely agree. Like, I think this is a guy where... Once teams double Jefferson, it's great to Jordan Addison. So that's the main one that I love the most. But there's still, you know, the Colts Raiders is a game that I think is very slept on for. Yeah, Ray's been very in on that Colts Raiders game. He wants to get some A-Rid shares to be a part of that game for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like Devontae Adams, I know everybody is disappointed that he's not playing maybe with Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo is a downgrade. But like when Josh McDaniels coached Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw it. 35 times a game yeah (laughs) like it wasn't that he just like played the same like Kyle Shanahan doesn't throw a lot that's because Kyle Shanahan runs his offense that way Josh McDaniels has no problem throwing it plenty the only concern is the Raiders offense line but the Colts are in a rebuilding mode and it's an easy stack to get to because you can get Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Adams as your first two picks and they're guys that can carry you in the regular season and then get it done at the end of the year. And then um, the last game that I kind of will touch on that I'm ex- super excited for is the Jets taking on the Cleveland Browns. If the weather's Ooh. bad, the weather's going to be bad. That's yeah. going to be a difficult thing to do. But one, I think Garrett Wilson will end up being a top six receiver in fantasy. I think he has a chance to enter that top three discussion. And then on Ooh. the second, the flip side, I think Amari Cooper is a receiver that's just going way too late, which we can get into later. But overall, like Sean Watson and Aaron Rodgers aren't two quarterbacks that are hard to get to by any means. They're going in seven round seven to nine. Would it surprise you if they were both top five quarterbacks? To me, no. The only obviously Aaron Rodgers had the calf issue. He just yeah. probably tweaked it running and there's nothing to do right now. Like if you have a blister, you shouldn't be practicing right now. It doesn't even like matter. But like that game is easy to stack and it's easy to just get Watson, Rodgers, Amari Cooper, and Garrett Wilson, and you're done. Like you can just 
Do you have your quarterbacks to tie to your receiver? They both play in divisions that are going to be go- like highlight games. You have the yeah. Steelers, the Bengals, the Ravens. And then on the flip side, you have the Dolphins, the Bills, the Patriots. Like the Jets and Browns are going to have to score with these teams. And the only way to do that is most likely going to be through the air because I think both teams want to throw the ball. They haven't been able to, but they want to do it. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100 percent. This is that game is interesting because of the potential weather, right? Both teams yeah. play outside. We saw what happened with Cleveland last year. They had all these games outdoors. Watson was trying to find a flow and rhythm with his teammates, and it just didn't happen. They played in that game that was like 20 degrees, 20 mile per hour wins. Game was like 13 to three. And then you talked about Justin Jefferson and how he failed us in the playoffs. He had to go to Green Bay week 17, and we were like, oh man, here we go again. And everyone on our channel knows those splits with Justin Jefferson, those indoor outdoor splits, those warm weather, cold weather splits are just insane for Jefferson. Um, so thank God he will be in a dome for the week 17 playoffs this year, because like you mentioned, he is going to probably dominate and really, really like him. But I do want to touch on the sophomore receivers because I haven't been the biggest fan of Drake London, but we talked about him a bit yesterday. And I know that you are very excited about Drake London. And you also share my sentiment about Kyle Pitts, which is one of the reasons why I brought you on the show and why I love you. But I do want to start with Garrett Wilson, obviously wide receiver one, top of the class, was completely dominant last year with garbage at quarterback. Now he has Aaron Rodgers. What do you see for him this year that can maybe take him to the next level? You already said it. You think he can be in that Jefferson Chase tier, but how does he actually get there? And what have you seen in the data to actually support that case for Garrett Wilson? So it's Aaron Rodgers. That's the the main catalyst for this. When he finds a guy that's consistently winning, he's going to go that way. I'm not afraid of Lazard. I'm not afraid of McCall Hardman. And like, yes, no, Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster as a head coach. He was a disaster with Russell Wilson. I'm not really concerned about Nathaniel Hackett calling plays because he spent most of his time with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Like, I think the way that he gets utilized will be the way that Devontae Adams gets utilized. And it's going to be in the red zone. Because you can't just double him because Brees Hall will just walk in touchdowns. And at the end of the day, people are like, oh, they might be a running team. Aaron Jones and A.J. Yeah. Dillon got plenty of carries in Green Bay. I see this receiving core of the New York Jets similar to the way that the Green Bay Packers have been for the last three years where Devontae Adams was getting 10 to 12 touchdowns a year, sometimes even the 17. So I think Garrett Wilson has a ceiling to be like, better than Chase because he's not competing with T Higgins. He's not competing what? with other players. I mean, I don't think Alan Lazard <laughs> and McCole Hardman are the guys to get or Corey Davis are the guys to kind of get it done for the Jets. I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. And with the Bengals, like how many targets like Jamar Chase is phenomenal. I have yeah. Garrett Wilson is not better than Jamar Chase at being a receiver, but in terms of fantasy, we need targets we need the dominant opportunity and t higgins is going to take away a lot more from chase than alan lazard or mccall hardman or Corey davis are going to from garrett wilson 
Yeah, no, you you kind of laid out the case and, you know, you said it, maybe he could be better than Chase and I don't disagree, but it's a big, you know, for a lot of yeah. people, that's a big projection, right? Everyone says, oh, Chase has to be the two, you know, and the two could easily be Cooper Cup. And we've talked about Cooper Cup yeah. a little bit already and how good he is. Um, and you've showed me the data that says that Chase in too high just really isn't that great. And so for you, it's easy to look at the games and the coverages and say, okay, I'm going to play Chase in these games and I'm probably going to not play him in DFS in these contests simply because of the coverages these, these teams run but now we do have to get to the falcons because you've talked about actually yesterday how excited you are for this falcons team you've talked about the division the south is god awful the saints are probably going to be the front runners they have your carolina panthers which again they probably will be pretty good the defense is good the running game should be good they added weapons for bryce young and jonathan mingo of course and then of course you have the tampa buccaneers that are going to be a dumpster fire they're going to be awful so anyone could win this division but how do you feel about the Falcons and where do you want to start with them? Because I know you are kind of a fan of Desmond Ritter and you're a big fan of Drake London. I mean, Desmond Ritter got the keys to the Lamborghini. He just can't <laughs> crash it. That's like the way that I would phrase the Atlanta Falcons. Like everybody talks about, you know, the draft capital they spent on a tight end, the draft capital they spent on a running back. If you were just looking at this team without the price tags and you told me that their weapons were B. John Robinson, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, that is an elite level trio, like yeah. in terms of what we would project them to be, because Drake London showed he can get separation. He showed he can get the ball. And like, I know everybody points to the beginning of the season with Mariota and him yeah. and Kyle Pitts. Like it was a weird dynamic that was going on. At the end of the day, we have Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter had a rookie minicamp with Drake London to gain some chemistry. He only mm-hmm. got to play live games with Drake London this past year. I'm not... I don't think Kyle Pitts will lead this team in targets. I think it's going to be Drake London and it's not going to be a, by a big disparity, but I think it's going to be the way that, you know, Tennessee was ran where Drake London is not going to get 150 targets, but I think that he'll get in the one twenties and with the threat of B. John Robinson and in the red zone, like Drake London is going to win in the red zone. Like just, he <laughs> will, he's a big body dude and you can't, you can't double him because then Kyle Pitts is going to eat. Like we were talking about it where, in the red zone, the Atlanta Falcons can run the same play over and over again. And I'm not sure that teams can stop it because they are they have an elite level run blocking team. So if you run an RPO where it's run pass option with Desmond Ritter and Bijan, yeah. you have to come down on Bijan. And then you have Kyle Pitts on right, maybe the right hand side. And you have Drake London on the left hand side where Drake London can run a fade or a slant. I don't know where you'd funnel your defense towards in that situation because whatever option you don't choose is going to be where Desmond Ritter goes with the ball, similar to the way that I think that Arthur Smith built Tennessee. Yeah. Where you had, you made John Smith good and somewhat in fantasy. He had AJ Brown catch, I believe 10 touchdowns. Tannehill kept like seven rushing touchdowns. And then Derrick Henry scored like 18, like in the red zone, they're going to be a dominant team. And then Drake London, he had a 30% target share against single high average 2.6 yards per hour run. Against too high, he had a 28% target share, average 1.6 yards per route run, which isn't great, but for a rookie, that's very good. And when I look at like across the league, Drake London's yards per route run against single high was better than Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, Talk about it. DeAndre Hopkins. Like he didn't have a lot of yards. Yeah. <laughs> like he wasn't the dominant guy. And like he didn't play in an offense that favored him, but. I think with Desmond Ritter that they'll be a competent team 
And then Drake London will benefit from that, especially in the red zone. I think he's a guy that can catch 10 touchdowns this upcoming year and just be a dominant force near that area of the field. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited now. I've, I've been all in on Drake London, you know, in Dynasty. He's like wide receiver 12. Yes. I'm like, oh, my I'll God, I don't, Panthers I don't know. So everybody knows that I'm not biased when I say this. <laughs> Well, that's because you're not excited for the Panthers yet. You don't have any weapons. You guys don't have a first-round pick next year, so you can't draft Marvin Harrison Jr. You're devastated. You can't get a Buka because he's going to go in the first round, too. There's just a lot of things that, as much as you're excited, you're a little sad, too. I know you're a little sad. It's okay. It's okay, Jordan. It's okay. Things should be okay. But I do want to talk about the rookie class because this is Destination Devi. We talk rookies incessantly. All the people want to talk is rookies. We need mock drafts. We need rookies. We need this. We need that. First of all, you get what you receive. That's it. Don't tell me what to do. We dictate the content, but Jordan, I do want to ask you about these rookie receivers because I know you're a big Jordan Addison guy, and I'm I am a big Jordan Addison guy too. We talked about Jordan Addison all season because he didn't have the best year. He was hurt, blah, blah, whatever. Um, I know you're a big JSN guy, but I do want your take on this rookie class and kind of the guys that you have pegged, maybe it's Jonathan Mingo, to have big years in 2023. Because of course, you know, everyone wants to draft these guys. Oh, JSN's wide receiver one. Jordan Addison can't be wide receiver one. There's no way. Oh, you got to take Quentin Johnson because of Justin Herbert. Oh, Zay Flowers. Well, there's so many guys there. But who are the guys that you're looking at this year that can make an impact, whether it's in DFS, whether it's an underdog, or simply just a draft and redraft that you think can ascend a little bit beyond where people are projecting them right now? Well, Jordan Addison's the guy that uh, I think probably has the best start to finish rookie season. But it's going to also depend on Kirk Cousins actually putting the ball out there. Like yeah. Jordan Addison has to earn the trust of Kirk Cousins because that's the way that it has to be yin yang approach. Adam Thielen left big target chairs behind again, single high, too high. They didn't play a full season with TJ Hawkinson, but it was immediate that Kirk Cousins had chemistry with him. I think Addison will be third in line in terms of target share, but. This offense will probably throw the ball 600 times because their defense mm-hmm. isn't going to stop anybody. And Kevin O'Connell, they probably are cutting Galvin Cook. So it's not exactly the most threatening of a run game. So I think it's very simple to see that they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So Addison will have ample opportunity. JSN's going to be the guy that I think finishes the year the best. Really? Because Okay, so you're not worried about Tyler Lockett then? No. So <sighs> Okay. Okay. The, Talk to me. The offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Shane Waldron, comes over. He came over from the Rams. He was there for Cooper Cup's rookie year. He was there for the trio of receivers that they had. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued to see this trio kind of get it done because you look at Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and JSN, and JSN's strengths play to what Cooper Cup does extremely well. So Mm -hmm. like Shane Waldron has an idea of how to utilize this player It's just about Seattle getting an 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end, which they haven't really done. And with, you know, last year, the biggest thing they struggled with was the 49ers. They couldn't be. They (laughs) had no answer to (laughs) they had no answer to like what they were doing on offense. And then they had no answer for the way that they play defense. They went out and got Devin Witherspoon, who is a smash mouth corner that can tackle, that can, you know, stop the run, like tackle Debo Samuel, tackle Christian McCaffrey. And then they got JSN that's going to allow them to go in three wide receiver sets. And this is so important because the 49ers like to run three safeties and have a safety play as their nickel corner. Mm -hmm. You're putting a safety on JSN. 
that's a mismatch because JSN is going to play the slot. Is that a bad thing? No, that's where big time players make their money. Like Cooper Cup plays a slot. Amon Ross St. Brown plays a slot. That's where I want that JSN to be. Yeah. I want him to own the middle of the field. I'd rather have Tyler Lockett out wide running deep routes. I'd rather have DK Metcalf running deep routes. So towards the end of the season, once he's kind of had his feet under him, once they've had the rhythm on offense, because it's a completely different dynamic when you're running 11 versus running 12, especially with the tight ends they had. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see JSN take like the role of understanding the coverage in front of him and getting that middle of the field. But once he does, I think towards the end of the season, you're going to see the six catches, 60 yards like He's going to consistently give you points in PPR and probably take the top target share away from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Really? You're you're saying that right now. You're you're out I'm, there. You're putting it out I there. You're saying DK Metcalf yeah. is dead. Nope, can't no, own him. No, Too overrated. No. I mean, JSN in in Dynasty leagues right now, he's like wide receiver fourteen. Outrageous, Jordan. Out, outrageous. I, I can't. That's, I can't make sense lie. of it. No, That's I'm dead lot. serious. Go look on uh, Keep Trade Cut right now. Uh, Go look. He is like insanely priced. And, you know, DK Metcalf's like wide receiver 12. But JSN's up there, bro. Like people expect him to be this huge asset. And now you come on our programming to all of our subscribers and say he's going to be wide receiver one. How is that going to help his price come down so I can actually get him on my rosters? He's already being drafted super high in rookie drafts. You're out here saying he's going to be wide receiver one by the end of the season. I don't personally believe that's going to happen. I still think that DK deserving is going to earn that targets. I mean, you just said it, Jordan. They can't I mean, beat San Francisco. They can't even contend. But what happened in the playoffs? DK Metcalf went off, right? They needed yeah. somebody to come up, come up big. DK Metcalf came up big. But to your point, I think JSN will operate with him well. The question is, is will he earn the targets this year? You seem to think he can. But mm -hmm. who else do you believe in this year? Because there's one guy that we haven't talked about. And I do want your take on him because we haven't talked about him at all. I need to hear your take on Marvin Mims because I know you're a big Marvin Mims guy. And how do you feel about him? Because you're, I know you love Judy. I don't know how you feel about Sutton. Obviously, Bama, you love Judy. But how do you feel about Marvin Mims, the yards per route run, the analytics profile, Scott Barrett saying he's his wide receiver two in the class, bumped him down to wide receiver five after the draft capital, handpicked by Sean Payton. Could he be the next Brandon Cooks in a Sean Payton offense, Jordan? That would be a very good fit from a stylistic approach of what I would want. I think Brandon Cooks is a little bit better from a, you can get him the ball on a flat route and he can kind of get yeah. it done after that, just from yeah. coming out of college. I remember him getting a lot of Steve Smith comps, which was really interesting. I mean, he played a lot bigger than his size as well, but from Marvin Mims uh, standpoint, he, he wins down the field. Like, I don't know what his short area like type of thing is going to be right away, but I think that he has every bit of the quick twitch. He can get in and out of his breaks extremely well. And again, I love Marvin Mims from his college tape. Yes. I have watched plenty of Oklahoma. I was very upset with Lincoln Riley because he did this promise playtime type of thing. So he would deploy seven receivers at like a 40% route run rate when he was there. And then Marvin Mims would barely get on the field. It was like, he's super talented. He's clearly the guy when he gets the ball towards him and he wins down the field. So as far as the Broncos offense, I think Sutton or Judy have to be traded. Like one of them is going to get traded and that's going to open the door for Mims. From a rookie year perspective, I could see a few splash games. I don't think yeah. he's going to be right out the gate like, you know, Brandon Cooks was, but 
and we're thinking stylistically, how does he fit with Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson doesn't like throwing over the middle of the field. He hasn't done it his entire career. What does Marvin Mims do well? Well, he wins down the field on the mm-hmm. sidelines. So I think Marvin Mims is going to be a guy that is going to be an impact. I think Tim Patrick is another guy I'm interested to see how he comes back from his ACL injury. So from a stylistic approach, I think he fits better than what Sutton is right now because Sutton didn't look okay. great off the ACL. And okay. I think that one of those two receivers ends up getting moved because this is the guy Sean Payton wanted. And I think that he will impress him enough in OTAs and stuff and the capital. They're just going to have to come down on the price of what they're expecting for Jerry Judy because the reports are the first round picks and stuff. And it's he's at the end of his contract. He's been good, but he hasn't been great. He's been. Yeah. You know, been bad a problem, quarterback right? play is tough. So it's like I think the Broncos uh, GM Patton actually came over from the Vikings and he was there for that Stefan Diggs trade where they moved a first round pick or they moved Diggs for a first and a few other picks and lucked into Justin Jefferson. So it was kind of a, a win on their part. But overall, I think they're looking for that type of deal. And I don't think any NFL team is right now trying to give that. Yeah, that's part of the problem, I think, for the Broncos right now. They signed Tim Patrick, they signed Sutton, and you're like, what are you doing? And then everyone gets fired, they bring in Sean Payton because it didn't work with Russell Wilson, and you're like, okay, how do we fix this? Well, let's draft Marvin Mims, that, that'll do it. And then it's like, well, now we have even more guys. <laughs> so how do they fix that? I'm not really sure, but I have to talk about the Browns because you've been all over the Browns. Deshaun Watson, got to draft him. And I need your take on Amari Cooper. You put in the chat, you're all over Amari Cooper right now. Talk to me about Amari Cooper. So throughout (coughs) his time with the Cleveland Browns, Amari Cooper, or sorry, with Deshaun Watson, he has made one guy his main target. He has done it his entire career. He has never had two guys get over 100 targets, I believe, when I was looking through the data. And then this past season, Amari Cooper was, I think, what, 10th in the NFL in total target share against single high. He had a 29% target share. His yards per route run were 2.88. We talked about Jamar Chase having a high yards per route run against single high. His yards per route run was 2.8. So Amari Cooper, better yards per route run against than Jamar Chase, higher target share than Jamar Chase, and gets it more because... Nick Chubb's in that backfield. And then on the flip side, you're like, all right, well, what does he do against two high? 28% target share, 1.8 yards per route run. He's had a 2.0 yard per route run previously with the Dallas Cowboys. For me, I think Amari Cooper is an easy top 10 wide receiver this upcoming year. I don't think there's a threat to his target share because, again, I like Elijah Moore as a talent. Didn't really show me much this past year. It wasn't just Zach Wilson. It was also some other things going on with him. I don't think the Browns are going to fix them. They've still drafted Cedric Tillman. They still have Donovan Peoples-Jones. They still have David Bell. There's a lot of guys in that receiving room. They're going to be rotating in between wide receiver two and wide receiver three. Now you have Amari Cooper, full offseason with Deshaun Watson. He's at a point where he's basically... These are the years, the best year that probably Amari Cooper is going to have. He had the most targets his entire career last year. It was the highest targets he's ever had. And the Browns have pointed every sign to, we want to throw the ball more. We didn't bring back Kareem Hunt. The second running backs like Jerome Ford. Like if Nick Chubb misses any type of week, they're probably going to throw the ball 40 times (laughs) because nothing else. And like 
that's why you bring in Deshaun Watson because you want to throw the ball more. You don't just want a mm-hmm. quarterback to hand it off to Nick Chubb better. Like, I think this is a team that, from a passing attempt standpoint, will be there to be an like support elite receiver. And then Amari Cooper, we've seen Deshaun Watson hyper target DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is probably slightly better than Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper's entire career hasn't gotten that hyper target. Like Dak Prescott has doesn't do it. He doesn't really mm-hmm. hyper target one player unless he's absolutely forced to. And with Amari Cooper and this Browns offense, I think he will. I think he sees over 140 targets for the first time in his career. And with that, like he's going to produce like a top, you know, six eight receiver yeah and you talk about like career highs if if people i encourage you to go look at amari cooper stats because when when we talked about this you didn't say top eight you said i think he'd be really good you actually said i think he can lead the league in receiving and yep. you know maybe we don't go that far but you know you <laughs> look at amari cooper stats and you're like okay he literally had pretty you said a career high in targets he was like 20 yards off a of career high in yards career high in touchdowns and this is what jacoby Brissett. And Deshaun Watson, who was god-awful to end the year playing in the cold, couldn't really throw the ball that well. Cooper wasn't really getting a ton of targets. He was like four or five a game because of the circumstances of the games. Like, there's a lot of reasons to like what Cooper could be this year. And I think you laid out the case very well. Like, Watson is a guy who hyper-targets one guy. He did this all with Brissett. He was basically like, whether it's Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, like quarterbacks that are way better than Brissett. And then you have Watson now, and I, I'm a big Watson guy. I've been a big yep. Watson fan, led the league in passing the last time he played a full season, can do it again. There's nobody there. Elijah Moore, you know, we'll see what he can become. Loved him in college, hasn't done anything in the NFL. Don't expect that to really change much. I like DPJ. I think it could be good. But ultimately, like you said, it will be the Amari Cooper show. He had some of the best years of his career last year. And that's, again, in a Browns offense that was kind of vanilla with Jacoby Brissett, now you add Watson, they can open the field up way more, run way more play action. They got rid of Kareem Hunt to add more pass attempts to the offense. You're looking at what could be, like you said, a top six, top five receiver season for a player like Amari Cooper. And, you know, you look at some of the guys that are up there, CeeDee Lamb is way up there. And I know you're not the biggest fan of CD Lamb. Do you want to talk about some CD Lamb? Because there's, you know, Ray, Ray will watch the show. He's going to listen. He may not like what you have to say, but I know he would respect it. Do you want to touch on CeeDee Lamb a little bit? Because I know that you're not all in this year. You like the talent, but you don't think it's quite going to match up in Dallas this year based on the production. Yeah. So they added Brandon Cooks. That's the first thing that they went from Noah Brown to Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is still playing at a high level. He was with the Texans, so it's Mm -hmm. hard to see, hard to understand what he was doing. And then you have Mike McCarthy talking about how he didn't like Kellen Moore because he threw the ball too much. And like, I think the Cowboys from a defensive perspective got better than this past season. And we saw how good their defense was that first like seven to eight weeks until their corners just started all getting hurt. They added Stefan Gilmore and then they have these corners that are still that played well towards the end of the season that are on their roster that have the reps and stuff. So I think CD lamb, he had a huge year last year. He had over 140 targets. I'm not so sure he gets that this year. I think that Michael Gallup is a guy second year off the ACL is going to be huge for him i think that he's going to have a better product like you could see it in his game like he didn't have that extra step like he didn't have the trust in his knee yet he didn't have the full strength of you know recovering from an acl injury isn't as easy as you know adrian peterson made it out to be that maybe Brees Hall will be able to do this year but as far as the mari cooper or cd lamb stuff 
Dallas has the ability to spread it out. Yeah, Dalton Schultz isn't there. Dalton Schultz wasn't going to be the guy anyways. Like they have three or four guys that look very similar to Dalton Schultz and are probably going to do similar things in this offense. Tony Pollard will run the ball well. I expect them to bring in another running back to help out on that side of things. And like overall, I think we can see Dallas playing more of a controlling type of game and not trying to be an offense that, you know, thrives like CeeDee Lamb's big games came in games that more shootouts. Like mm-hmm. you saw the Packers game. They couldn't guard Christian Watson. So CeeDee Lamb and Dak had to have a huge game. They but they did. I think that they're going to be able to kind of have that, especially in the way that the NFC is built as a whole. Um, awesome. They're surely going to have some shootout games, but I think that they're going to be more of a controlling team. And CeeDee Lamb doesn't see north of 140 targets this year. Okay, so less than a 140. And I think that's interesting, right? Because you talked about Mike McCarthy, how he wants to run the ball more. Yet all they really have is Tony Pollard right now. And we talked about how um, we talked about the Vikings and we didn't really mention how you don't even believe Dalvin Cook's going to be on the roster, right? He's probably going to end up somewhere else. There's rumors of the Dolphins. um, And I talked about to you yesterday how I think that the Cowboys actually would be a pretty good fit if he did want to go there. Now, would he want to go there? That's kind of the big question, but they only have Tony Pollard. And if they're going to run the ball even more than they did last year, and we know that Zeke was really grinding it out last year. You know, we didn't want him to get the carries, but he did. And I think, you know, they have to probably add a running back. Which vet that will be? Will it be Zeke back, Fournette, maybe Cook if he becomes available? Um, we did get a question in the chat, though, about the Dolphins. Because you are a big Dolphins fan, so I have to ask you about the Dolphins a little bit. You live down in Miami. You go to Heat games. You party with DJ Khaled. You go and talk to Tua about his concussions. You are an insider for the Miami Dolphins. How would you feel about Dalvin Cook there? And more importantly, because we have a lot of A-Chain fans, how do you think Mike McDaniel will use Devon A-Chain in this offense? Because they already got Tyreek Hill. They already got Jalen Bottle. They got Moster. They got Jeff Wilson. They don't really need more running backs, and they still might get Dalvin Cook, but they drafted Devon A-Chain. How do you feel about him coming into the 2023 season? So I was talking about this with a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Diamato of Gridiron Ratings. With A-Chain, like Mike McDaniel can have a chess piece that's going to be a mismatch nightmare. And I hope Ray isn't falling into the I'm just going to always take Texas A&M running backs like CJ Spiller. I will never forget that one. But overall... Isaiah Spiller, A-chain, yeet. Isaiah Spiller, I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, you said Spiller, CJ Spiller. Real, Jesus. Um, <laughs> God, the, I was good. naming the actual good one there. But in terms of AJ and what he can do for the Miami offense, like the speed, Tyree Kill, yeah. Jalen Waddle, they have Robbie Anderson. Like they have guys that are just four, three players. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just what they operate. And it so was Mostert A-chain, yesterday, right? Who said like, that dude's fast. Like just a random yeah. quote. He's just like, that dude's yeah. fast. Like he's fast. <laughs> And most are, I believe, hit 21 miles an hour on yeah. the field, which is just ridiculous. So, no, sorry to turn you off. Continue. No, you're good. Like, if they go, they can have formations where they take Moster and A-Chain and put them on the field together with Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and then some random tight end because they have a bunch of random ones there. At the tight end block. And then they can split out Moster and A-Chain out wide, leaving Waddle and Tyreek Hill in the slot. What do you do with your linebackers becomes the question because you're probably going into a three linebacker set considering they put two running backs. Two running backs, yeah. (laughs) So if you put a linebacker out wide with A-chain, he's just going to run by him. And Tua is just going to snap the ball, wait two seconds, and then throw it to the sidelines because A-chain is just going to run by the guy. If you put a corner out there, then you're letting Tyree Kill run against the linebacker. That's going to be a mismatch. Like I think Mike McDaniel just added a chess piece. As far as how Dalvin Cook fits into this offense, I think Dalvin would be a guy that dominates goal line, 
He's yeah. phenomenal in terms of the zone cut type of stuff. He doesn't exactly have he didn't put up great numbers. He hasn't put up great numbers in a little bit. He's had this shoulder issue. He's getting older. Running backs that take touches is just going to wear down on him. But Miami would allow him to kind of have a breather because they have Jeff Wilson, Moster, and now A-Chain. So I think Dalvin going there would be the worst case scenario from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, It would make him a nightmare to kind of predict. But as far as A-Chain, even if Dalvin goes there, I don't think his role is going to change much because I'm not expecting him to get north of 10 carries a game like i think he's a six to eight carry guy but then if he's gonna way. maybe get three to four receptions right now and i don't running backs are all by committee now it's just how mm-hmm. things go it's just you got to get the ones in the most explosive offenses and he can obviously be that in miami and yes a chain can handle you know 15 carries he had a 33 carry game against lsu this past year i believe he supposedly put on a little bit of weight but you don't really want your guy to be that you want the speed to stay there. And they have most or they have Jeff Wilson. If they brought in Dalvin cook, like it's just going to be a bunch of guys that get drives here and there. And the ones that running the best will be the ones that close out the game. Yeah. So we do have a question here from dynasty Barry. He said, Jordan Vanek, do you think Dallas adds someone to the backfield to compliment Pollard? How do you feel about Malik Davis or Deuce Vaughn? Uh, we can start with Deuce Vaughn if you want, because I know that you probably played Deuce Vaughn in DFS quite a bit over the years. Um, I'm not sure how much Malik Davis you watched in college, but he did look pretty good when he got on the field in Dallas. How do you feel about that running back situation heading into 23 as it stands right now? And do you think they add somebody to the backfield over the course of the offseason? I definitely think they add someone that's going to be a big body back. I think Deuce Vaughn from a, you know, physique standpoint, like he's a scat back. He's just, yeah, he's little. It just, you know, whatever it is, obviously, was he highly productive in college being small? Yes. Is he going to be someone that's very difficult to see in the backfield? Of course. (laughs) Like he's going to be someone that kind of is able to find wiggle room when there's none at all because of his height and just how he plays. But he has all the skill set to be a good running back. I just, don't see much of a role for him just at his height and weight. I've you know seen a bunch of guys in the NFL not be able to make it because of just athleticism not quite being there. Yeah. I think that they definitely add someone. It's going to be a veteran. I don't think it's anybody like a trade type of scenario. Like I think it could be a guy that's currently on a roster where if Dalvin does sign with Miami, like if they cut Jeff Wilson, he goes to the Cowboys. Like I think they're going to find somebody. It might be closer to the season, but if they don't. Pollard's just going to be the guy like he's going to have majority of it. I think they added Ronald Jones this offseason. They well, did. I'm not exactly. Uh, they needed um, a win. They need to add to the winning culture of the Cowboys with a Ronald Jones. Yeah, they needed <laughs> someone who's won Super Bowls to come in there, teach them what it's like, how to work to really win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And Ronald Jones really provides that veteran leadership to that young group. But I'm with you. I think I think it's an interesting situation in Dallas. It's weirder because they let like I get why they got rid of Zeke. But to say you want to run the ball a ton and now you only have Pollard, who has never been the guy to really handle the rock. It's kind of like, okay, but who is it going to be? And I think for a lot of people who are in best ball drafts, you're trying to draft some of these vets like you can't just leave Fournette. And mix in if, you know, mix in, you know, now his ADP is rising because I think he's going to stay on Cincinnati. But Fournette's probably going to play in the NFL. Zeke's probably going to play in the NFL. We just don't know where and when it's going to happen. But if you get some of those guys now late in your drafts, you probably will see a return at some point. It may not even be week one, but running backs get injured all the time. One of these guys is going to get a shot at some point. So you have to really take your shots. But I'm kind of with you. I think they have to add to that backfield. And we've gotten a lot of questions in the chat about Tua as well. Where are you at with Tua, Jordan? 
Do they re-sign him? What do the Dolphins do? They have all the pieces. They tried to get Tom Brady. Now he's an owner of the Raiders. They can't get him now. They lost their first round pick. Not a good look for the Dolphins. Not a good look for your Dolphins. But how do you feel about Tua? Because he has no excuses now. I mean, he didn't have any excuses last year either, but the concussions really slowed him down. But yeah. where are you at with him for this season, but more importantly, beyond? Because they do have to make a choice with him probably after this year, potentially, over whether to extend him and if he deserves to be on this team over the long term. So, for starters, if he plays the full season, he's getting a big contract. The guaranteed yeah. money will be the thing that I am very intrigued to see because it shouldn't be that high. It really, yeah. like, at the end of the day, it should, he should not be Daniel be, Jones type money, probably. Yeah, it's it's got to be a, I mean, Jalen Hurts guaranteed type of money where Jalen Hurts got the big contract, but from a guaranteed perspective, there's a lot of outs for Philly. Um, he's got to be treated almost like the way that running quarterbacks kind of get treated in that sense, because guaranteed money is, is the one thing that matters because most people don't see all the money in their contract from the big numbers, yeah. but it gets released that way. So Tua, as far as like, what can he be and stuff for starters, Mike McDaniel is top three offensive scheme right now like Andy Reid him McVeigh, Shanahan like they're all I guess top four are pretty much all the guys Dable maybe is also up there because of what mm -hmm. he was able to do um this offense can put up 30 a game they have a defense now that's going to stop people like yes. Banjo and the way that he plays it's a yin and yang approach they're the pairing that Sean McVay had with Wade Phillips was this is what Mike McDaniel needed last season, but he wasn't able to get because Vic Bangio didn't want to coach as the defensive coordinator. Now he's getting the opportunity to. So Tua is going to throw for plenty of yards if he's healthy, as long as he stays healthy. Um, and this offense is going to put up a lot of points with him. It's just, again, I'm not going to be in the camp to predict concussions, but he just needs to learn how to get tackled. I have no yeah. idea how he just gets ragdolled the way he does because he's not little. Like, <laughs> he's over 250. I don't know if he's all the other picture the other day. The dude is thick. I mean, yeah, at the he's, end of the day, he uh, he's, he's bulked up for the offseason. Yeah. yeah, he bulked he was, up for the season. We'll see. He's taking MMA too. Dude's like, <laughs> I got concussions this year. You know what I'm going to do in this offseason? I'm going to do MMA. That's going to fix yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going like, to fucking karate chop these DNs when they come after me. <laughs> Like if he does wrestling, if he does an MMA move in a game, I will laugh. Would you be shocked though? Would you be shocked? <laughs> I would, like I mean, I hope I'm it. there to witness it. Like I, I mean, I hope it's not against the Panthers. Just don't do it against us. I don't no, to bro. The, the Dallas game. What is that? Week 16 is the Dallas game on Christmas nah, Eve. Really that that I was gonna Maybe. that was gonna come to. I want to go to yeah. that game. That'd be a fun one. Dallas and yeah. Miami. Yeah, but it's like can, be, can, it's can be super you touch cold. on? Uh, no, it's not cold. Come on. This is Miami we're talking about here. Like Jesus, 50, Jordan, what's wrong? It'll be warmer. It'll be warmer than it is right now where I live, 100%. <laughs> but I do want you to talk about Vic Fangio because I know that you're a massive, you know, Jordan in these DCs, man. He does the research. He finds out what he needs to know. And he's, one day you called me and you must talk about Vic Fangio for like two hours. You're just obsessed with Vic Fangio. You love him. You think yeah. he's the best coach in the league. But what can they do this year? Because they were a liability. They were god awful defensively. That. Yeah was abysmal secondary was so bad they brought in Jalen Ramsey how do you think Ramsey and Howard can operate in this defense and how do they add to these pieces obviously having Bradley Chubb who Vic Fangio coached in Denver right is a massive yep. piece as well how do you think Fangio can really turn this defense around and what do you think the ceiling is for the Dolphins in 23 I think they're for me me and Hilo do a coverage ranking show that we rank the secondaries throughout the NFL 
Um, I have the Dolphins as the number one secondary in football right now. Uh, from starters, okay. Jalen Ramsey, Cam Smith, and Xavier Howard. All three of them are versatile corners that can move into the slot if needed or stay out wide. Cam Smith's a rookie from South Carolina that played phenomenal in his time there. I was I thought he was going to be an early day two pick. He ended up getting to the Dolphins. They ended up taking him, which was you know not a position that they quote unquote needed, but it was a position that makes a lot of sense with all the injuries they've had there. The safety room, you have Javon Holland. You've got Brandon mm-hmm. Jones recovering from an injury. They brought in Deshaun Elliott to kind of help out. And another thing, Jalen Ramsey can play safety. He did it in college. He played mm-hmm. it plenty at FSU. So I think Vic Vangio is going to be moving him around like a chess piece. I think Xavion will obviously stay to his side of the field. The player that really unlocks this defense, though, is Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips has been a menace when he just hasn't gotten the sack production that it's kind of needed to bring the national media that, attention yeah. to it. And he's a freak. He's like 6'6". He runs like a 4'4". It's, it's ridiculous what he kind of does on the football field. But the stat that I found that was most interesting was the Dolphins this past you know few years, they blitz a lot. They load mm. the box. Jalen Phillips, when they ran, rushed four players, had a similar pressure rate to TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, um, I think it was one of the other, Chandler Jones. Like He had a similar pressure rate to those types of guys. And if you're getting pressure with four and you're playing Vic Vangio's coverage and you're utilizing that, this defense is going to be impossible. Like You're going to have to run the ball effectively against them. I think that that's like the Patriots actually are probably a bigger problem necessarily. Like maybe well, not matchup perspective. phrase it like a matchup perspective, what Ramondre can do. And the fact that they're just a little bit more, if they had now. any threat through the air, yeah. they could actually contend, <laughs> but they don't. So, but I, I hear what you're saying is that of all the yeah. rushing attacks in the AFC or the AFC East, but then to yeah. your point though, the jets, the Jets Should, do, like they have, like, they have the Brees pieces, Hall's but knee. do they have? Well, it's Brees Hall's yeah. knee. How does Izzy fit in? Does Michael Carter make the roster? What do they do with that room? Is the offensive line going to be good? Because that, you know, they tried mm-hmm. to trade up for an offensive lineman that didn't work. The Steelers ultimately end up taking him. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see how they do that. But to your point, the secondary will be phenomenal. But the Pats will be able to run the ball. The question is, can they put up points? The answer is no. No reason to touch on that much more. But Jordan, I do want to talk to you a little bit about college because people we we've been talking the NFL the whole time. You're probably yeah. a bigger college football fan than you are an NFL fan. It's it feels close. like every week you're it's like, close. oh man, if I knew that Kenneth Walker was being coached by Mel Tucker, I would have taken him in DFS everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> well, thanks for the info after he runs for 300 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns in his first game. That would have been great to know last week. But again, because a lot, this is a show about wide receivers. Yep. Who is the guy or guys, if you want to talk about guys, multiple guys that you think could take an ascension this year? We know the top guys. We know about Marv. We know about Ibuka. We know about all these receivers that are highly touted. But who is the guy that you have pegged, or maybe a couple if you want to touch on a couple, that you think could be in the top five, even in the top three, because three is wide open right now, and maybe even two if he has a good enough season at wide re- the wide receiver position in college football right now? Keon Coleman, uh, Michigan State transfer to FSU. He's a big body dude that... There are some plays that he made this past season, just bad throws that like he came down with, like contested catches and stuff like he's this is the first class in a little while where it feels like we have some big bodied dudes. And he is one of them. Obviously, I think Marvin Harrison's the best receiver prospect we've seen and ever 
Yeah. Just maybe. say ever. I mean, just say, you know, just say ever. Calvin, Calvin Johnson Jr. But um, overall, like Marvin Harrison doesn't make any sense. I think me and you talked about it. We have an interview on the 33rd team with Brian yes. Hartline. And yes, he talks about Marvin Harrison's legs are about the same length as like JSN. So like his yeah. torso is really long, which makes him six four. So like he can run the like short stuff. It's strange. He's a strange. Yeah. He has the see. legs to yeah. be twitchy and like, quick, but he's also massive because he yeah. has this the long <laughs> arms and the torso. And it's just yeah. he's just an alien. Like you watch Marvin Harrison play, and you're like, how the hell did Jalen Hyatt win the Blitnikoff? It's just egregious on all fronts. And you know this year he's just out to prove it again that he's yeah. the best receiver in football. I do have to ask you, though, because this is, you know, neither of us are Houston Texan fans, thank God. But what is Arizona going to do next year when they have the first overall pick and the second overall pick? Caleb Williams is sitting there. Marvin Harrison obviously is available because they have the top two picks. Is there any world where we get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison one and two? And what are your thoughts on QB1? Are you sold on Caleb? Because you were saying yesterday, like, you don't know because you think he's kind of small and you well, seem to be a big Drake May guy. But what are your thoughts on one and two? Do you think Marv could go to because there's a lot of rumors about Marv going to overall. And what do you think ultimately happens with that quarterback at one and two? So I think Caleb Williams will be the number one overall pick. I think Drake May has a discussion to be made if, you know, they're going to be neck and neck. I think this is a QB one, QB two class where it's not going to have the Anthony Richardson. It's not going to have like the question marks, maybe like a Will Levis hanging around. It's just going to be those two guys are one and two. We're, this is what we're doing here. I don't think any other quarterback will really enter into their discussion. Um, but as far as the Arizona Cardinals and that, oh, first off, I think the Texans will be a little bit better than uh, what people are expecting. Not great. Not not a great team by any means. I think D'Amico <laughs> Ryans was the right hire and who they brought in they can run their defense and they will be able to win games with it. And then all they have to do, I mean, Kyle Shanahan disciple duty worked at PFF. Uh, so he's, he's been around some data. He's been around mm-hmm. one of the best coaches and offensive minds. He was there with Mike McDaniel as well, working with him every single day. So from a schematic standpoint, having Singletary, Damian Pierce, they'll be able to run the ball and get some things done. But if the Cardinals did have number one and number two, first off, they trade Kyler and get even more picks, which is going to be insane. That's so you think that's that's the move. They're just see yeah, you, Kyler you trade. Yeah, go to Minnesota. Hundred percent. Uh, yes, Minnesota would be a perfect team. Atlanta, yeah. if Desmond Ritter fails, like yep. there's a plenty of teams that would take Kyler Murray in a heartbeat. Yeah. And you take one of Drake May or Caleb Williams. If a team wants to send you a lucrative package, you trade away two. I know Marvin Harrison being there would be appealing and then pairing him with Hollywood Brown would be awesome. Just like, that disgusting. would be an absolutely perfect receiving core to pair. I just don't know if the current coaching staff would be able to get the the most out of that. Hopefully Paris Johnson is uh, performing up to par at the tackle position. But overall, it's going to be it would be an intriguing thing to see if they had the number one and number two overall pick just because nobody's ever done that before. That doesn't that doesn't happen in the NFL. Well, I mean, when you're Houston and you make terrible trades and you trade away your first round pick, when you have another one in the draft, I mean, don't don't give me hay. We all saw the trade. We're all like, what are you doing? Like, well, why does this make sense? I get you want Will Anderson if, and you want CJ Stroud. What are we yeah, doing well, here? If Will Anderson ended up to be Yvonne Miller in year one, would you say it's a bad trade? 
Yeah, it's still a bad trade because the, okay, he's he's Von Miller. That's great, but how many how many games do they win? They would probably still, go, if he's Von Miller, they'll go six and eleven, seven and or six and eleven. So that pick's 10. still in the top ten. It's like top eight ish? to like it's like eight to thirteen, I think normally. Depends. Right. Depends and CJ Stroud is average because there's no one to throw to there. You know, John Mechie coming back, Nico Collins. We'll see if Robert no, Woods has no. any gas. Like Dalton Schultz is there now. There's not really a whole lot to go off of on that front. But again, Houston still they're projected to have the number one pick, I think, even ahead of Arizona, which is just yeah. No, they I mean what? the Giants were probably projected to have the number one pick this past year. Maybe, but people believe in Dayball. Do you believe in oh you clearly believe, I believe in D'Amico? In I know you're not a big fan of Jonathan Gannon. We can well, touch I mean, on Jonathan Gannon if you want to. I'm not a believer in Jonathan Gannon. Just I just I don't know. He's quirky to me. And like the first thing, like the the whole introduction and then the fact that they were tampering, I don't know. And then Buda Baker wants out. Yeah. They're like in a, a weird problem. thing with D Hop, which is like, get rid of him. Just please send him to Buffalo already. Like we're yep. what are we doing here? Um and then like if they lose Buda Baker, I mean, they might not have the worst division or defense in their division, surprisingly, just because if you actually look at the Rams, I would say about majority of NFL fans can't name three players on that defense. It's it's bad. That's it is, true. I, I can't for sure. It's it's really it is. I've looked into it. And it's like I've never seen a defense look like this with the best player at, on defense like Aaron. Yeah. Don- it's like Aaron Donald. That's we're it. in a tough one. <laughs> like they don't have any of the pieces that they had in the Super Bowl. So uh, that division is going to be the top two with 49ers and Seattle just scoring at will against those yep. two. And that's why I like Cooper Cup a lot. You know, Cooper Cup's going to be a, if he, as long as Stafford plays. As long as he plays and Stafford plays and the Rams don't tank for Caleb Williams, which they yeah. could. They like, could. I think the Rams right? will be like, worse than the Texans. Wow, really? I, I mean, I already a, got the Rams. I got the Rams under, but I don't know about worse than the Texans. The Texans. Yeah, you're, uh, you're banking I mean, a lot on D'Amico, right? So who who is it that you think is going to stand it on that defense outside of obviously Will? Because Will's going to be great. D'Amico's going to figure out how to yeah. utilize him. But they're going to have to have more than just Will Anderson to really contend. I mean, the division is bad. That helps a lot too, right? They're going to play the Colts, who we'll see how they are. And they're going to play the Jaguars, who are good, but they're not, you know, world beaters either right then there's Tennessee who's yeah. got awful but it looks like they're running back with either Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill so as long as they don't trade yeah. Derrick Henry they're probably going to be contending at least in the AFC so for starters obviously you got Will Anderson you brought in Sheldon Rankins you got Hassan Ridgeway who comes over from San Fran you have Malik Collins who's a guy that worked with San Fran like you have Corey Littleton, who's not exactly the greatest you have Christian Kirksey Denzel Perryman Christian Harris uh they drafted uh Tuatoa, uh, Henry Tuatoa, like they have a just they have a lesser San Fran team. Like Sheldon Rankins isn't Eric yeah. Armstead, and then Will Anderson isn't Joey Bosa or Bosa. Yeah. But they have two guys that are competent enough to be able to run the scheme, and their secondary is the most talented secondary I think that uh, D'Amico Ryan's has worked with. Like. Okay. Derek Singley is an alpha. Like I think Derek yeah. Singley is Singley's going dumb. to be perfectly fine. I think last year was a tough s- scheme for him to run. He's not a zone like heavy corner. He's someone that likes to get his hands on guys. Mingo Ryan's going to let him get his hands on guys. He's going to let him press at the line of scrimmage. And then you just like look at the division. Like the Colts. Can the Texans be better than the Colts next year? 
To me, it's very it's a toss neck up, and neck. right? It's, but we it's like Steichen, though. We're big Steichen guys around here. No, I love Steichen and I love Anthony Richardson, but like he could struggle. Like Shroud yeah. could be a game manager right away, and Anthony Richardson could struggle a little bit. And then you have yeah. like, yes, the Jaguars are going to probably be better. I think the Jaguars are a very good team, but like the Titans, they terrify me. Like, yeah, they have Derrick Henry, and <laughs> so like bad. that's that's their thing. If Derrick Henry goes down. How are they scoring points? Like, like worst I know, receiving core in the league by a mile. It's not even close. Yeah, and they have Trey Lumbergs. Yeah, and I mean, I will say that I think that the uh, they traded for Shaq Mason, who's a good guard to have there. They have yep. they drafted a center that I believe was talked highly of. I'm not a big O line guy, but I know Laramie Tunzel and Titus Howard are just fine. Like. I don't think this offense has a lot of alphas. I don't think this offense is going to be elite, but I think the defense can hold things down just enough. Yeah, or Jalen Peach is definitely a baller, and him working with Jimmy Ward is going to be phenomenal as well. Like, yeah, I don't think they're a top defense by any means, but I think I had them at like fifteenth, like average, or like sixteen, fifteen, like just enough to keep it. You know, they didn't give up. I think they gave up the lowest amount of passing touchdowns this past year in Tam- Lovey's Tampa too. Awful well, run defense. Yeah, that, awful well, run defense. That, that's, yeah. that's the trade-off, right? Like yeah. when you're playing DFS, you're like, okay, who's playing the Texans this week? I'm starting that running back because yeah. it literally didn't matter who that's- it was. They would always go off for like 100 yards and a touchdown. And then, yeah. of course, the passing, right, wasn't there for the quarterbacks and they would never hit their props because you would just run the hell out of the ball and beat the Texans. It was hilarious how that kind of came to be. But I'm with you. I think they can be better. I don't know if they'll be great. I still think they're probably looking at a top five pick. But, you I mean, you laid out the case. And and I think, yeah. to your point, a lot of people like D'Amico. It's not just you. It's not just me. It's not just some people. A lot of people believe in what D'Amico can do. Obviously, we saw it in San Fran. Now, it's different because San Fran's team is loaded. Top to bottom, front to back, that team ballers across the board. Houston doesn't have that yet, but obviously the hope is D'Amico can slowly build that out. And at least in year one, start to figure out how he utilizes this defense. And I think to your point, we could see an AJ Terrell type ascension in year two for Derek Stingley. That's kind of what I'm projecting for Stingley in year two. AJ Terrell really struggled his first year, came out next year and basically was like a top five corner in all of football. So I think that's what we could see in that D'Amico scheme. He'll utilize them, get the most out of them. But I do want to get you out of here at some point. I know you and I could talk forever, but is there anything that you want to plug? You know, you do the show with Greg Jennings. You still haven't made the joke about how He's just putting the team on his back. I'm waiting for it. It was in the chat earlier, but is there anything else you want to plug? I know you're kind of in a lull this offseason. You're going through all this target data coverage, single high, two high, four <laughs> high. You do the cover five podcast with Hillo. There's a lot of things you do and a lot of people don't see a lot of it, but I talk to you a lot. So obviously we, we go through a lot, but is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Yeah, I mean, just uh, follow on the Twitter at Jordan Vanek DFS. I usually will throw some things on there that that Josh will Josh will yell at me for for being like, dude, you could have wrote an article for that. I'm like, I just like to post the data sheet, man. I don't know, like I like to post stuff. Um, you'll see a lot of DFS content when the season gets started. I believe Hilo and I will start getting into you know the theories behind how we play DFS. This upcoming month will be a lot of great content. We're mm-hmm. finishing out our rankings podcast. Just go to the podcast network, the 33rd team on Spotify, Apple, pretty much anything that uh, people listen to podcast on. You should be able to find our podcast there. And that's about it right now. It's just kind of that it's May. 
there's a lot to kind of talk about. I remember this time last year, I was trying to tell everybody that Mike McDaniel being the run game coordinator for the 49ers doesn't mm-hmm. mean the Dolphins are going to run the ball that they traded for Tyreek Hill. They're going to throw the ball a lot. And both of them are going to be really good. But I got told through the internet and through Twitter that uh, it's a little little tough to say those things because he's a run game coordinator. Your title in the NFL doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It, it mm-hmm. Everybody works together. We're, it's a coaching staff. Like There are certain things you're in charge of, but at the end of the day, Mike McDaniel drew up a pretty good passing scheme this upcoming year. Did he take slow play calls? Yes. Was it really annoying? Yes, you'll you'll get to experience that if you uh, get to come down here for Christmas, uh, Jay Rich, because it is hilarious how long that man takes the call play. Like it'll be like six seconds left in the huddle and, or play clock. And you're like, damn, he broke the huddle. Why? Yeah. Why does this always happen? Like it's like week 15, like correct it. But overall, man, just follow the Twitter. I usually yes, post anything that I do there. And later today, I think me and Greg are recording uh, some some top oh. receivers that we think or sleeper receivers that we think can lead the NFL in receiving yards. So obviously there will be some Amari Cooper talk there, but thank you so yeah. much, Jordan, for joining the programming. I do have a couple of notes for everyone who tapped in. First of all, of course, make sure you follow Jordan at Jordan Vanek DFS. You see it down below. Thank you, Jordan, for coming on the show. Really appreciate you having you. Uh, make sure you guys drop us a like and subscribe for all the future content. And a small programming note, me and Ray will be going to one day a week. We'll be only doing shows live on Mondays, but that will mean you guys will get even more post-pro content. So we'll probably see some more film sessions. I'm going to be doing some stuff as well, putting it on the channel. It will not be live. It will be post-pro. We will still do tons of prop videos. But for now, at least, we have a lot of things going on in the background. We're preparing for the 23 season. So we will be going to only one live show a week. So make Make sure you wake your ass up on Monday because it's the only time you're going to be able to wake your ass up during the week, but there will be lots of things coming and that is not just video content. So Koja asked me a question, until the preseason starts or forever? No, no, no. It's just for a little bit, probably like a month and a half, maybe two months that we go and do the one show a week. Again, there's not a lot going on right now. We could do two live shows, but we want the content to be good. We want to have things to talk about. So for now, once a week is what it will be. But there will be lots of pros pro content that we will put out. So that will mean, like I mentioned, more film sessions. I know Ray wants to do a lot of those. He's just away this week. I might do some like team breakdown, situational breakdown type of stuff. I kind of want to do a video about Dalton Kincaid but we will get into all of that thank you guys so much for watching and i will see you guys next week when ray is back have a good weekend and have a good week i'm out peace before y'all close off of the video i just want to say thank you for checking out the content on destination devi really appreciate every single view that we get and the only thing that i ask is that you hit the thumbs up button like the content subscribe to the channel and if you can comment below for the algorithm really helps the channel grow now if you want more exclusive access to me in the entire destination devi team patreon.com forward slash all gas gives you that access now if your money's a little funny we do have free content for you make sure you subscribe to the all gas newsletter there's a link in the description of this video below and subscribe to the destination debbie podcast radio feed where we got all types of shows hitting airwaves every single week now y'all can get out of here i appreciate y'all tapping in it's all gas all the time i love y'all i'm out of this thing peace